Good morning, baseball fans. Welcome to the 20th episode of the Walk-Off Buck. It is August 23rd, 2016. My name is Kevin Kim, and I am here with my fellow UMass graduate, Tom Mulhern. Hey, Tom. Hey, Kev. How you doing? Pretty good. Red Sox doing pretty good as well. Nice to see another win from the Sox beating the Rays 6-2. The Red Sox are now 70-54. and 54. Looking nice. Nice, nice with a great win by David Price. Uh, of yeah, so before we get into the Beantown banter, anything you want to say, Tom? Yes, I want to give a quick shout out to Mark Trumbo of the Orioles. The Orioles just won four to three uh, last night, and you know, in the last in his last eleven games, he has eight hits, only eight, but seven of them have gone deep gone out of the yard he leads the league with 38 home runs now Flex. so i mean not a great batting average but that slugging percentage on point cool 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 uh, i have a bet with him uh, i've bet with somebody that edwin encarnacion will actually finish higher than than trumbo in the mvp voting uh if this continues and that won't happen so i got some personal stake in this matter anyway <laughs> anyway right. anyway let's go into the beantown banter like we said the red sox beating the Rays six to two very convincing win by david price let's start off there uh, eight innings of eight strikeout ball um we've been we've been pretty concerned about price lately me personally because price until the start has actually had the lowest strikeout rate of any month that he's ever had in a career 18 percent um and you know his other stats are doing fine i mean he's walking the same low amount of guys but today he really seemed like he was on only two hits eight strikeouts two walks yeah no this guy's era is now down to a four kevin that's uh you know that's not spectacular but considering what it was at earlier this season you know around five or you know even high five i mean he's been a big disappointment um overall but lately you know he's been cruising i just want to say this about david price obviously you know you can look at just the basic box score and see that price dominated but it's important to know that it's important to know why he's dominating you know he's one of the big reasons why he's had so much success in the past, even when he was uh, the Cy Young winner, um, or especially when he was a Cy Young winner, he's been able to work efficiently and establish the strike zone early in counts. And because he would establish the strike zone early in counts, he would then start to be able to use more effective locations that maybe are off the plate um, that make hitters go after because, you know, they don't want to get into that 0-2 count for him to have that strikeout pitch. And obviously, he has been getting people to do strikes and giving that strikeout pitch. But let me just say this. 61% of Price's pitches were strikes tonight. That's pretty good. And of the 27 batters he faced in eight innings, 15 of those at-bats, he threw a strike on the first pitch. That's nice. Pretty, that's pretty dominant. Y- yeah. Um, I wonder what the average strike-to-ball ratio is, 61%. Um, I've seen numbers that are like 62 to 65%. I don't know if yeah. that's big, but the, definitely establishing the strike zone, that's that's huge. Because a first first pitch strike is obviously 
much more important than getting the ball and going behind in the count and then having to kind of fight your way back. And Price was able to do that tonight against his former team. And it's great to see him pitch well against a division rival. Rays aren't the best team, but the Red Sox really need to beat up on these on these weaker teams, and Price was able to hold them to two hits tonight, which is awesome. Yeah, this kind of, you know, brings me back to the, well, I mean, it wasn't too long ago, but brings me back to that episode where we talked about, you know, Price is still considered the ace for the Red Sox, you know, especially after a game like this. I'd There's no doubt. To, yeah, no doubt. And, you know, it's kind of scary to think about the Red Sox pitching staff now, especially uh, compared to what, we all thought of it, you know, it was just a couple of months ago. But, you know, with Price cruising the way that he has, you know, just absolutely don't. I mean, he has had a couple of four-run or five-run games in, you know, his past ten starts. But for the most part, he's been having quality starts. Anyway, when you think about having Price, a uh, potential Cy Young candidate, not frontrunner, but candidate in Rick Porcello, uh, starting to establish himself really, really nicely – you have Eduardo Rodriguez, who he's a little hurt right now, but he's coming back, and he's been extremely dominant ever since uh, the All-Star break. And, you know, those three guys alone are high impact. Then you can factor in Steven Wright, and you can uh, factor in Drew Pomerantz. It's The rotation is stacked. The past week, the Red Sox have had the lowest starter ER in baseball at 289. The peripheral stats... Tell a little bit of a different story, but that's okay because the Red Sox have just been <laughs> just been blowing these guys away. I mean, uh, a lot of strikeouts, low walks, um, a lot of home runs. That's the biggest issue. If the Red Sox yeah, pitching, Red... yeah, if the Red Sox pitching can really limit the home runs, then they'll be just fine. Uh, that's that's the biggest issue with home runs. That's the biggest issue with Price. That's the biggest issue with Porcello, and mm-hmm. Porcello's been pitching well even with the home runs. So like, yeah. dang. Thanks, Fenway, for increasing right-handed home runs by tenfold. But hey, could be worse. Could be Coors. Could be Coors. Could be <laughs> could be Arlington. Well, then our offense might be much better. I mean, we, there's so much we can go into that. But yeah. either way, Price doing work, starting pitching doing work. Great, great to see. So let's dive into something a little new. So Andrew Benintendi. Uh, was given the start at center field today with Jackie Bradley getting the day off against a lefty in Blake Snell. So you got a chance to watch the game, Tom. Uh, can you tell us a little about how Ben Attendee fared in center field? Yeah, you know, obviously he didn't have the crazy catch that we can get into later um, that he had in this game in center field. But overall, he looks really comfortable. I mean, this guy is a center fielder. That's what he's been his whole career i mean at least until uh, at least since high school um all the way through uh double a he was playing center field and you know this is his second time in the position uh since being called up and he looks comfortable he's got a pretty good arm he has good judgment out there and you know obviously there's no question about what he's able to provide at the plate so you know why not put him in center and give jackie bradley jr the day off you know, seeing Ben Attendee, see, all three guys, all three starters on the Red Sox can play all three outfield positions. And then we have Chris Young, who came back today, uh, starting for Ben Attendee, or for Jackie Bradley, but playing Ben Attendee's normal position at left. 
And, you know, we've seen Chris Young put in work over the course of this season and over the course of his career, of course. And so with all this flexibility, it's really nice to see the outfield depth on the Red Sox. Yeah, no, it's when you have four, well, three, but maybe some people might consider four uh, outfielders able to play center. You know, some people might not think that Young can play center, but some do. Um, I'm more on the fence of no, I think he's not too athletic. Or, you know, when you have JBJ, Benintendi, and Mookie, you'd, you know, probably put one of them in center first um, before Young. But anyway, you know, Young picked up right where he left off when he went on the DL. I mean, he went one for two last night with an RBI double and two walks. You know, what more can you ask from him? He contributed a, a run. You know, it's when you have a guy who has shown flashes of power, which, you know, he just had with the double, um, but he's shown home run capability and he has a decent, not great, and actually probably more mediocre, actually, uh, glove um, on the defensive side of things, but he's got speed. He can hit, you know, this really does a lot for the Red Sox outfield because now they can start giving Mookie a rest day or like they did just recently with JBJ. Um, Benintendi can lower his workload and, you know, they can have that good platoon in, in left. You know, just the sky's the limit for this outfield right now. Yeah, it's interesting how JBJ was the one that got the day off because Benintendi has been really performing not so well against lefties. In a small sample size, he's had 40% strikeout rate. So it's interesting. I wonder if Farrell was kind of giving Benintendi the day to kind of adjust against left-handers at the big league level, or he just felt that it was a better idea to uh, just kind of give JBJ the day off. I wonder, maybe a combination of the both. Uh, JBJ has been uh, above average, but not as good against right-handers as left-handers this year, and he has a track record of not doing well versus lefties, but last year he did just fine. So, um, yeah. That was interesting to see. Um, But, you know... Benintendi still had a sack fly. I mean, he was over three, but he did have that sack fly, and he did have that impeccable catch in, in left field where he robbed a two-run home run. Absolutely amazing. You know, that's probably the best Red Sox play in the field that I've seen all season. And, you know, I can just leave it at that because, you know, there's really not much else to say about it. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely if you haven't seen the catch, uh, Benintendi basically took a home run away by jumping all the way over that little uh, that small little wall in left field in Tropicana Field. Um, he basically stretched out his arm all the way uh, all the way uh, behind the fence. Uh, okay, just go see it. I don't need to describe it to you. Yeah, no. If you haven't seen it, don't listen to us. Pause this right now and look it up on the internet because it is great. Best catch of the year, no doubt. So, another member we want to talk about. Okay. Top of the ninth inning. Red Sox winning. Uh, well, going into the inning. They're winning 3 nothing. The game is still not in, not 100% in hand. Xander Bogarts comes in with a man on base. He decides, okay, so I've been slumping a lot lately. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. I haven't gotten too much. I've gotten, I've gotten hits, and we'll talk about that. So he decides he's just gonna blast a Danny Farquhar pitch over the uh, over the left field wall. Left field wall. Yes. Yes. So yeah, 
Xander Bogarts back? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I consider him back. This kid, before in, in a previous podcast, we talked about Xander Bogarts slumping. And I talked about how he looks really uncomfortable uh, at the plate and looks like he might be rushing his at-bats to try to get a hit to uh, break out of that slump. Um, well, he's been looking the total opposite as of late. You know, he has multi-hit games, or three multi-hit games in his last four appearances, and with this one being the capper with the two-run home run. This this kid seems like he's out of his slump. He, like I said, he looks the opposite of before. He's comfortable. He's spraying the ball to the other side of the field or at least, you know, using that swing to try to put it to the other side of the field and not just, you know, pull it for a better chance of getting a hit. Overall, he's just, you know, he's kind of back in his groove, I'd say. Yeah, Bogart, I mean, entering today, he still only had two RBIs in uh, in August. The last home run he hit was actually July 31st. But like you yeah. said, like Tom said, he did have, a, he did have several multi-hits. Um, overall in the past week so he has been seeing that groove come back and we've seen Bogarts put in some work earlier in this year last year so hopefully mm-hmm. he's back hopefully he can pr- continue to produce at the elite levels that he has been and for, then- and for me I want to see him hit that five wins above replacement mark on Fangraphs um, he's at 4.0 right now it was actually up to 4.3 as of uh, 60 games in, but it's actually gone down. But he'll, he'll bounce back. High faith. Yeah. No, he. I, I think he will too. I mean, obviously, he's a tremendous talent. You know, he's one of the many franchise players of the Red Sox have for a reason. He's obviously the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Red Sox, like I said, beat the, beat the Rays 6-2. to two. Elsewhere around the AL East, uh, obviously the Rays lost to the Red Sox. Uh, Toronto didn't play today. Uh, New York is losing at the time of this recording to Seattle. Uh, But Baltimore uh, won again today. So both uh, the Baltimore is two games back, but Boston is now drum roll, please. Tied for American League first place. That was with Toronto. the weirdest trouble ever. Most and anticlimactic ever. Yeah. Whatever. I'm over it. Yeah. Thank goodness Boston is finally back on top. The one thing that I do want to say, though, before we continue, is that the Red Sox are tied right now, but do not get your hopes all the way up just yet. Just because... We've seen this a couple of times now where the Red Sox will go on a tear, get tied for first place or get in first place for, you know, with a, a half game uh, or a game lead and then just go on a stretch of losing for four games, then win two, then lose three more games and then get right back where they started. So proceed with caution, Red Sox fans. Uh, I mean, the hope is that this kind of leads to the winning streak and uh, tons of wins. They don't lose another game for the rest of the season and finish 108 and 54. That's the dream. But we've seen that uh, Red Sox have been 
quite inconsistent the past few games, so uh, stay hopeful, but not too hopeful. Keep your expectations low, fans, and yes. we'll all be happy. Now, okay, so that's it for the Beantown banter. Um, let's talk a little bit about the news around the league, shall we? Okay. So the biggest... Okay, so definitely the biggest news that happened today. David Freeze signed a two-year extension with the Pirates. Whoa. Huge news. Yeah, huge, That just, huge you know, news. totally alters the face of the league. And definitely useful for the sake of our podcast. No, not really. But um, <laughs> two-year two year extension. Uh, Freeze has been about a league average player so far this year and has been for years. That's really, that's really about it for him. Uh, other news. other news, good news for the Pirates, two years, 11, but very small commitment of money. Uh, let's look at Steven Matz. So Matz, uh, he went on the DL today. Um, retroactive to a few days ago. I mean, Matz has been uh, rumored to go on the DL for a few days now. So this isn't exactly news. Um, shoulder tightness well, I mean, his left shoulder has been bothering him all year. Um, he had a couple of issues earlier in the year that landed him on the DL. But it's still a mild strain. A um, little bit of inflammation on the rotator cuff. Uh, I mean, apparently doctors don't say it's that big of a deal. So it looks like he'll yeah. miss a couple of starts and then come back into the rotation, which is great because the Mets really need him. They definitely need him. I mean... Obviously, in the beginning of the season, we were talking about how the Mets have the best starting rotation in the league. Well, Matt Harvey not only stunk up the joint for a good portion of the season, but he's also on the season-ending DL. And Noah Syndergaard has bone spurs, and obviously Steven Matz had bone spurs. Um, But now he's on the DL, and you know, it's just... I won't say that the Mets' starting rotation is diminished, but it's definitely taken a big hit, and that was their biggest strength. Especially with the weak offense that they that they have, uh, you know, it's very good for the Mets that Steven Matz is only going to be missing a little bit of time for now, as what we know right now. Uh, I guess that's all to say on that. It says Matz only had a little discomfort, so hopefully he'll be back soon. Another yeah. Steven went on the DL today as maybe a little more accomplished than Mr. Matz. Steven Strasburg of the Nationals going on the 15-day d- disabled list. We've seen Strasburg kind of stink up the joint the past few starts, highlighted by a w- one-inning, nine-earn run appearance against the Rockies at Coors. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like a good chance for him to rest on the DL for the next 15 days. Elbow yeah, soreness. Mean, yeah, I mean, this guy, he was, he was beasting for a while. You know, he started off 15 and one. It will actually he started off 13 and 0 with a 2.51 ERA, and you know he's kind of he kind of fizzled off for a little bit, but still was that 15 and one. And you know these last three games, I mean, four earned runs, six earned runs, and then nine earned runs. This seems like something that maybe was bothering him for a little bit. You know, maybe it was minor at first, and then it, you know kind of snowballed a little, not to the point where. He's going to miss a season, and that's how bad it is. But, you know, it's gotten to the point where instead of just missing a start, he's going to have to miss a couple on the DL. Uh, but, you know, this is another another pretty big blow for a playoff hopeful team. I mean, 
playoff probable, actually, for the Nationals. But, you know, he's been their best pitcher. Uh, well, him and, and Scherzer. But when you see a guy like Strasburg go down, it's, it's pretty upsetting. Hopefully he will back be back soon as well. So, yeah, that's really going to be it for the walk-off block for August 23rd. Um, my name is Kevin Kim. I'm here with Tom. My name's Tom Mulhern. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at walkoffbockpod. Follow us on iTunes. Search walkoffbock. Um, follow Tom's blog on Mulhern's messages. And we will see you guys tomorrow morning.